Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. We'll talk about Texans Colts today. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, will be with us. You'll get to know Indy a whole lot better, what they've been experiencing. They're still very much in contention for an AFC South title. They are, and we'll see how it goes for them. The Texans would love to play spoiler, if not more, so we'll see what they can do on Sunday at noon. Some people have been asking me, what is that intro music? Where'd you get that? Did you do that? Does it sound that amateur, really? It is me on electric guitar, and I took another track with an electric guitar toned down to be a bass sound, and I don't think there's any percussion on there, is there? No. And then I put some lead over the top of it all just to uh, make it sound cool, I guess, and I put the chorus effect on there. So there, I used some effects. But that riff is actually something I came up with when I was in eighth grade or something. I've just been playing that my whole life, so I just decided to put it on the podcast because I thought, wouldn't that be funny? All right, there's nothing funny about this rivalry, if you can call it that. And I went through this last time the Texans played the Colts. That was October 17th. The Colts are the nemesis. They're the all-time Goliath for the Houston Texans. Yes, they have gotten over on Indy several times, obviously, but it hasn't been enough. It's only nine times in the history of the franchise that the Texans have been able to beat the Colts. One of the guys on my digital crew came to me and said, we, we have this series called the 53. It's a perspective on things. They've done one on me. They've done one on Justin Reed. We've done one on Brian Cushing. We've done one on so many different people, Gary Kubiak, uh, so many different people, instances, the inaugural game. We're doing one right now on the clincher from the 2011 season. So one of my guys said, let's do one on Rosencopter. And I said, no, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing Rosencopter on the 53. We do positive things on the 53. I know it was a compelling situation, but that's not for us to do. And no one will ever do that, really, because it's not something that ESPN or the NFL Network or NFL Films, they're not going to touch the, the Rosencopter game. But Sage has written about it, and we've talked about it a ton. And that was a game in which the Texans had a 17-point lead. This was 2008. Houston was about to snap a three-game losing streak to start the season. It was the Hurricane Ike year. Matt Schaub was supposed to start the game. He got sick, and he couldn't get out there. He wanted to, but they said, no, 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 you're not yourself. Let's start Sage. Rosenfeld had a lot of chops. I mean, he could really play as a backup. And he played, and he played well for the bulk of that game. Texans running the ball. I don't remember all those details, but I remember 17-point lead fourth quarter. Well, Peyton Manning drives down the field, scores a touchdown. Now it's a 10-point lead. Texans trying to return the favor, drive. And it was third and four, I believe, in Colts territory. Sage trying to make a play, runs around the left side, and he's diving for the first down. Remember, it's third down. If they get the first down... It's not over, but it's all but over. If they can get a fresh set of downs, kill some clock, whatever, maybe kick a field goal, add to the lead. It was 10 at the time, but Rosenfels took a shot, and he got helicoptered in the air. We've seen players do this from time to time. Heck, Andre Johnson had this happen to him in a touchdown reception against the Vikings in 2004. Helicopter catch, hung on to the ball. Rosenfels did not hang on to the ball. It was fumbled and returned for a touchdown by Gary Brackett of the Colts. So now the crowd is stunned. Manning just drove down the field, scored. Texans were driving, but they fumbled it. And not only did you fumble it and they get the ball. No, you fumbled it and it was immediately returned for a touchdown. So all of a sudden, 
a 17-point lead goes down to three. Now everybody's collar is tightening, including myself. And I can't speak for the players. My collar was tightening. So the Texans have the ball at about the Houston 20 on the ensuing possession. And there's plenty of time left for a Manning comeback here. You're only up three. And if you don't move the ball, you punt to them. And we all know that Peyton Manning and that Colts offense at the time, hot night through butter if they want to be, right? You were able to eke out a 17-point lead, but here they come. Well, Rosenfels, trying to make another play, fumbles again. The Colts get the ball. They don't score this time off the fumble recovery. But Manning hits, I believe, Reggie Wayne for the go-ahead touchdown. And that's all she wrote, folks. That was it. That was Rosencopter. That was a horrendous day in Texans history. The game has a catchy name. I get it. But it's not something I want to celebrate by any chance. I don't really want to chronicle it any more than I just did for you. The following year was 09, and the Texans were able to get another 17-point lead, and they blew that one too. Nobody talks about that game. That was another game in which you just left scratching your head. This team was almost impossible to beat. They had only beaten them once at the time. That was that 06 Christmas Eve game where Chris Brown hit the game-winning field goal and Ron Dane ran for a buck 53, I believe. So 09, 010, 010, 2010, the Texans beat the Colts finally at home for the second time in the history of the franchise with Arian Foster running for over 230, and the rest is history. Texans started to get some wins in this series, but the Colts still own it. When you haven't gotten to double figures wins, and this is the 20th year in the franchise, and this is your last chance to do it as you close out your second decade of history. If you don't win on Sunday, that's nine wins in two decades against this team. I mean, the odd thing about this is that the Colts, despite all their success, this is the oddest stat I can give you about Indy in the AFC South. They last won the division in 2014, yet they have a winning record against all three other teams since then. Now think about that. That's hard to do. You have a winning record against the Jaguars, Titans, and Texans since 2014, yet you haven't won the division. That's kind of weird, if you ask me. And they lost to the Titans already once this year. We'll see how it goes in their rematch. And as far as their rematch with the Texans, we're going to talk to Matt Taylor about that in a second. You all remember how the first game went. This is what gives me some hope here. And it's been this way with a lot of games this year. You're hanging with the opponent. The Texans were hanging in there down 10-3 at the break with a chance to do some damage in the second half. They get the ball. First offensive possession for Houston in the third quarter. Davis Mills intercepted by Darius Leonard over the middle. Mills never should have thrown the pass. In the first half, Mills was clicking along pretty well, except the Texans couldn't score. Only had the three points to show for it, but he threw the ball at a 74% clip, and they were moving the rock between the 20s, unable to score. The Colts had that one big play, that long touchdown pass. That was it. In the second half, they got going. Jonathan Taylor, two touchdown runs. He had that big 83-yard blast and then capped that drive because the Texans caught him capped that drive if you will with a short Jonathan Taylor touchdown run and it turned into 31 to 3 well the game was closed for a while Texans couldn't turn him over no takeaways in that one for the takeaway train for the Rock Boys or whoever would get a takeaway so we'll see how this one goes at home Texans know that this is the division they're 2 and 1 in the division 
you got a chance to shock the world again like they did a couple of weeks ago. I know it did not go well against the Jets, but they hung with them for a while. Maybe you can hang with Indy, make some plays at the end. We'll see how it goes. Can you finally run the football the way you want? They ran it a bit better last week, but that was the Jets. And they ran it pretty well against the Colts in the first half. I mean, they had over 50 yards rushing, and, you know, you multiply that by two if you're able to maintain that in the second half. Uh, you get past the century mark, which isn't exactly sports center headlining stuff. But for this team, that would be something. So let's see if they could run it on Sunday and figure out a way to accomplish those things. Let's get to Matt Taylor now, who says, despite the loss to Tampa Bay, things have been going pretty well overall lately for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, they've really been playing some good football here lately, and they're trying to pull off what the Texans pulled off a couple of years ago, right, where you start 0-3 and you make the playoffs. And, you know, they were 0-3, 1-4, but really since week four on, this is a much better, much more improved uh, Colts football team. You know, they're 6-3 and three in their last nine, and uh, unfortunately the, the narrative, uh, I think, across the NFL, and if there is a national narrative on the Colts, if they look at them, they say good football team, but still trying to solidify themselves and take that next step, right? Trying to beat the elite teams in the NFL because, unfortunately, this season the Colts have three losses on the year where they've led by at least 10 points to teams that are leading their respective divisions, right? They were up 19 points in the fourth quarter, couldn't close out Baltimore back in week number five. You're up 14 to nothing early on in the first quarter in a home game on Halloween against the Titans. They end up dropping that game, and then they're up 10 this last past Sunday on the defending Super Bowl champs in Tampa Bay, and the Colts couldn't close that game out, and they fell 38-31. to So, you know, the narrative on the Colts, unfortunately, is good football team, but just not ready to take that next step. And it's all about coulda, woulda, shoulda. I know you can't play that game, but if the Colts win those games, they're 9-3, and and they're probably the first team or the, you know, in first place in the AFC, but as we all know, you know, you just can't do that. You know, you are what your record says you are, and the Colts are 6-6, six and six, and their margin for error here in the last five games is razor thin as they try to make the playoffs and, again, pull off what the Texans did in 2018, go 0-3 to start the season and then play some football in January. Matt, it's really interesting to me how in a division that has Derrick Henry, now Henry Hurd, and Jonathan Taylor has taken over as not only the star running back in the division, but in the entire NFL. What about his performance this season? I mean, yeah, Colts fans, they're all rejoicing over this pick as the Colts traded up to get him in the second round in 2020. And we all knew he would be good. But, yeah, I mean, even the most optimistic Jonathan Taylor backer, I don't think they saw him being this good and this productive. I mean, as you said, he leads the NFL in rushing. He leads the NFL in scrimmage. Uh, he leads the NFL in touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. I mean, just give him the ball. I mean, it sounds cliche and it sounds hyperbole, but he legitimately is a threat to score every time he has the ball. I mean, he has – the two biggest games this season in terms of an overall individual effort rushing the ball. He's accounted for two of the three longest rushes this season. Uh, he's got the sixth longest catch for a touchdown this year. Uh, I mean, he had that 83-yard run uh, against the Texans way back in week number six in that first meeting at Lucas Oil Stadium. He, he really is an, 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 in, in, in everything, uh, an all-purpose back, I should say. He's great at the blitz pickup. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's averaging about nine yards per catch this season when he's been targeted in the passing game. The Colts right now, Mark, they're, they're, they are a very heavy 
RPO team run pass option. And in a game like last Sunday, when it was hard to run the ball on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Colts still got the ball to Taylor in the passing game. And it's almost more advantageous to get him the ball out in space as compared to, you know, giving him the ball in a sweep or an outside zone where the defense comes to him, getting the ball in space where he can make one cut on an outside linebacker and get 15 and 20 easy yards, you know, out in space on the perimeter. So uh, he is definitely the Colts' best playmaker, and he's in the conversation for MVP. He probably won't win it because that award always goes to a quarterback. But when you're talking about what MVP means to you, for me, it means, you know, where would this team be without this player if he wasn't on the team? The Colts right now certainly wouldn't be 6-3 and three in their last nine without Jonathan Taylor doing what he's doing. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us. What about Carson Wentz? Also very important to their success lately. Yeah, he's taking care of the football. That, that's the biggest thing all season long. He only has five interceptions on the season, but a lot of those have asterisks, right, where he, I mean, a shovel pass got tipped. That was intercepted. He had a pick late in the game on a Hail Mary against Tampa Bay. So, really, he's been better than the numbers show in terms of, you know, the risk versus the reward. He's taking the shots down the field. He's completing a high percentage of his deep balls. Michael Pittman Jr. has really re- uh, emerged for the Colts in that regard, and he and Carson Wentz have a great deal of trust, you know, throwing the ball down the field, and he's just being smart with it. And, you know, again, the Colts are 6-6, six and six, but quarterback play has not been the problem this season. If you peel back the onion and you want to make a list of, you know, the top ten reasons why the Colts just haven't been able to get over the hump this season, the quarterback doesn't make that list. He's been that good and that consistent. And, you know, the, the Colts and, and Frank Reich have been proved right so far this year in their big gamble to go out and trade for him in the offseason when he had such a down year in 2020 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Matt, we know how hard it was for the Texans to move the ball against the Colts last time around. I know the Buccaneers had success last week, but what about the defense overall in 2021? Yeah, defensively, it's been kind of a mixed bag. You know, some weeks it's, it's you know, it's, it's really on point, and other weeks, you know, they – struggle to get off the field. The saving grace, you know, sort of the life raft of this defense, Mark, has been takeaways. Teams have been able to move the ball against them. They've been able to put up points. But give the Colts credit, they have this knack, this ability that, hey, when our backs are truly against the wall and in crunch time we got to make a play, that, that they lead the NFL in takeaways. Um, they have a takeaway now in 13 consecutive games dating back to last year. They lead the NFL in forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. Uh, Darius Leonard is so good at just, you know, again, he has this uncanny ability to strip you from the ball or step in front of a pass or get his hands on the ball. Uh, he's just he's really, really good at sort of being an instinctual player and stepping up when the Colts need a takeaway at the worst moments. That's when Darius Leonard sort of shines. But, no, I mean, overall, the numbers aren't going to blow you away, especially, Mark, in crunch time. The, the Colts, under Matt Eberflus since 2018, they've been a really good team on defense in the fourth quarter. But for whatever reason, this year, it's been everything but that. They've been outscored in the, in the fourth quarter this year by 42 points, which is 30th in the NFL in terms of fourth quarter margin. They've allowed 114 fourth quarter points on the year, which is 30th in the NFL. And that's one of the measuring sticks for a good team is, is when, when the game's on the line and when you're in crunch time, can you make more plays than the other team? And just for whatever reason, this, this year, the Colts, you know, fourth quarter has not been kind to them, especially on defense. And 
again, that's a big reason why they haven't been able to close out these teams like, you know, Tampa Bay and Tennessee and Baltimore. If the Colts won those games, you know, they'd be singing a different tune right now. They'd be much better than where they are right now at 500 at 6-6. Six and six. Matt, last time these two teams hooked up, it was Davis Mills playing quarterback for the Texans. Now it's Tyrod Taylor. What are your thoughts on the Colts facing Taylor versus Mills in this particular matchup? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a much more even matchup. I, I respect the heck out of Tyrod Taylor. He's a really, really good quarterback. He's played, you know, seemingly a zillion games in this league for a lot of teams. He's bounced around a little bit. I mean, just a couple of years ago, he took a Buffalo team to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he's a really smart quarterback. And I think he gives them a much more uh, competitive edge in this game, a much better shot to win a game like this. And I think it's a completely different type of offense with him at quarterback. No disrespect to the rookie, but, you know, you're just talking about a guy that's been in the league that's seen a lot more compared to a guy that's played in six games coming out of Stanford here in 2021. So, no, I think this is going to be a great game. And I think defensively, it's a a much better matchup for the Colts because the Texans are playing much better uh, on defense as of late in these last three games. As As you've seen, Mark, I mean, they're giving up only about 17 points per game on defense in the last three coming into this contest. And just like the Colts, the Texans have been thriving on takeaways. Well, I think the numbers, and you can you can clarify this more than me, but what's the number? 11 takeaways in the last three games. Yep. A lot of interceptions. So, you know, that secondary has been playing good. You know, I'm really impressed with Grenard this season with his eight sacks and Grugier Hill. He's a really good linebacker. He's come on for him. He's got seven tackles for loss. So I think this is a much better matchup for the Colts on both sides of the ball in the second go-around with the Texans. Matt, what about having hard knocks in the building? What's that like for you? You see them around. What do you think the players, their reaction to it, having those cameras around them all the time? Yeah, I think it's cool. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the season when, you know, everything's so sensitive and you're used to just, you know, sort of like hunkering down in your own bunker, bunker and it's you against the world and now there's cameras and microphones in your face. I think it was really foreign to him at the beginning of the season. And, you know, it's sort of awkward and it, it took some getting used to. But now I think they are used to it. And I think it is sort of the new normal, at least for this year. And I, I've been really happy with the show. I think it's an entertaining show. And, you know, I think the coolest thing, you know, from a Colts perspective and, you know, just as a fan, Mark, is that show, as you know, does such a good job of just telling stories and highlighting players and peeling back the onion and getting to know these guys on and off the field and what makes them tick and, you know, what they go home to, what life is like for them when they're not a football player, right? When Darius Leonard can just be a dad or, you know, Carson Wentz can just go home and be a husband and play with his kids and just be normal people. That's my favorite part of the show. Mm-hmm. That plus, you know, the, the first episode was really, you know, sort of featurey, kind of off the field. And then the second episode was, you know, let's get inside the meeting rooms and sort of the, the, the good blend there of off the field and on the field. And I'm a football junkie just like you, Mark. So I want to go inside the meeting rooms and I want to see what, you know, Scotty Montgomery, the off the uh, the running backs coaches, is, is talking to, uh, to, to Chris Ballard, the general manager, about how great Jonathan Taylor has been this season. I want to see those sort of like off the cuff, uh, you know, organic in the moment type of conversations that they're documenting. And that's that's the greatest part of the show is they're collecting all of this inventory, all of this content, and then they put the best, you know, scenes and the best moments in the show. 
And you don't know from a week-to-week basis what's going to be in the show. That's why it's a must-watch thing. And, uh, you know, for football fans, not just Colts fans, but football fans, you got to watch this show. And I love the fact that it's it's morphed into an in-season program outside of just in training camp because in-season, I mean, that's 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 the moneymaker right there. I mean, mm-hmm. the wins and the losses during this season is what's going to dictate success, you know, setting yourself up for what the, the next offseason is going to look like. So to get a, a behind-the-scenes look at what life is like, you know, Monday through Saturday leading into Sunday, I think is more interesting than what you see during training camp in the month of August. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us. Matt, what about the Tennessee Titans? Your thoughts on their situation right now after losing a couple of games in a row, one to the Texans, actually, another to the Patriots. That's after their big streak in which they beat all those playoff teams. Where do you think they're headed? I still think they're headed in the right direction. I still believe in them. I think from a makeup standpoint and their culture under Mike Vrabel, I still think this team is probably destined to be, you know, a top two seed in the conference. I just, you know, at the beginning of the season, when you looked at their schedule and they started beating all these playoff teams from last year, you just kept waiting for things to unravel, right? I mean, Julio Jones is out and then Derrick Henry's out and you're, you're just thinking to yourself, right, this is going to be the week. This is going to be the week where they sort of come back to earth and then they just keep knocking off playoff teams. And I know it's eventually happened to them to a degree. As you said, the Texans got them. They went on the road. They got thrashed by the Patriots, but the Patriots are playing some really good football right now. So they have been brought back to earth a little bit, but I think they have sustaining power, and I just like their culture. I like the way they play. Um, I think they get A.J. Brown back eventually. I know they've been banged up, and uh, every team has you know, the war of attrition on them here throughout the course of the season. You know, The Colts and Texans can certainly raise their hand and attest to that. But, no, I think they're built for success in the long term this season. I think they definitely make the playoffs. I think they win this division because the lead they have built up on the Colts is just too too big at this point. It's probably insurmountable for Indianapolis considering, you know, it's 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 three games right now, but really it's four if you throw in the tiebreaker with the Titans sweeping the season series with the Colts. But I like their chances once they get into January football because of just what their identity is. And they're great up front on both sides of the ball. And uh, I, I, I like them, actually, to make some noise in the month of January. Your level of surprise, if any, when Urban Myers said, no, I'm committed to the Jaguars, I'm not interested in any of these college openings. Thoughts? No, not really. I mean, I don't think he takes this job uh, in Jacksonville. He's he, he, to me, Mark, seems like he's on a mission to once again prove himself as one of the best coaches in football, whether that's, you know, high major college football or the NFL level. I don't think he takes this job if he doesn't uh, have, you know, his sole intense purposes on, you know, turning that brand around. And obviously I know he got in some hot water off the field with his actions early in the season away from his team. Uh, But I do think he's a good football coach. I think it's going to take some time. I'm actually a little bit more disappointed with the the Jaguars than a lot of other people. I know they're having a bad season, but I actually thought they would be more competitive than they've showed this season. But I think they're going to turn it around. I'm not surprised that he's going to stay committed to Jacksonville because I think he wants to prove to people that he can do it at this level. Otherwise, I don't think he would have taken the job. All right. Well, I know the Colts play the Jags again on, let's see, what is it, the last day of the regular season, January 9th. All right. We'll see how that plays out. But before that, we'll see how this plays out Sunday at noon. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it, as always. You got it, Mark. 
Well, there's our buddy Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Always great to catch up with him, and it's always great to visit with you here on the podcast. Check out all the other podcasts wherever you got this one or wherever fine podcasts are available. And don't forget the game Sunday, Texans-Colts, noon kick, Battle Red Day. Love Battle Red Day. It's live on Sports Radio 610 and the Bull 100.3 FM. Some tickets still available at HoustonTexans.com. Have a great day, everybody, and go Texans.